Our text for the day is the gospel lesson that was shared moments ago about Jesus' command and the initial motion or the initial idea of the Trinity. Uh, you know, we sure live in a different world from when I was a kid. Shoot, we live in a different world from what it was two or three months ago, correct? Our COVID-19 world has, has changed how we view a lot of things around us. Now, some of the changes have been horrible, but some of the changes actually have been pretty good. For me, I like the fact that increased family time has taken place. There's been a shift of role models, and I like that. A shift away from the high-profile celebrities. A shift away from very expensive sports figures. A shift away from financial wizards who aren't really so wizardly anymore, correct? And we're switching back, I think, as I look around, to role models who have been demonstrating compassion and patience and generosity and love. I think those are good changes, and I hope those don't go away once life gets back to whatever our new normal is going to be. Now, as those things and priorities in COVID-19 world, which used to dominate our thoughts and our choices and behaviors, have melted into a lesser role, I'm wondering, actually I'm hoping, that more folks are beginning to think about and reflect on areas of life that are actually much more timeless, much more eternal than those things that come and go. I think the most significant shift in thinking, at least I hope, is a refocus, is a return to what we as Christians call God. I know some of you smile about that, but God? You see, with the rise in our country of living standards and having greater financial flexibility in recent years and easier travel, even though we're limited right now, but it'll return, more ready access to health care and education, this whole concept of and need for God seems to have diminished. When everything is going so well, folks have come to think that they don't need a God to function in life or, or give thanks. Or they can do it themselves. Through their own abilities, through their own efforts, my education and my, my work ethic. Make your own luck, so to speak. So I think during this COVID-19 time, the return to a mindset of timeless and eternal concept is good overall. However, this entire concept of God has become a bit more fluid than it has been since the founding of our country back in the 1700s. When Americans used to term, used the term and concept of God back then and for the last number of hundreds of years, they were identifying what Christians call the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One God, three persons. But in more recent years, more and more folks have redefined God in their own minds based on him solely on their personal feelings and opinions. I think you know what I'm talking about. For some folks, God is merely the name used to personify nature, you know, Mother Nature. And for others, God is simply the, the inner force within us. May the force be with you. And still others have latched on to world religion gods like Buddha and Allah, 
stating these are merely other names for the same God. Kind of challenging, isn't it? Not what we were used to in times past. What do you think? Well, this concept of the Trinity, no question about it, can be confusing. I mean, how can you have only one God and yet have three persons? <laughs> I don't get it. But you know what? It's okay that you and I don't fully understand the Trinity. I mean, think about it. Why shouldn't there be mysteries too grand for our little brains to comprehend? I mean, what fish can ever adequately explain the nature of the keeper of the aquarium in which he lives? I mean, how can we, who are limited by space and time, ever hope to explain one who doesn't even fit the categories of space and time? <laughs> kind of reminds me of a time when one of my seven grandchildren was, was trying to figure out the new computer their family had just got. This wasn't all that long ago. Well, the little guy was sat, he sat there staring at the screen there in their living room, unsure how to get this computer thing going. Just a little guy. Well, one of his older cousins happened to be there at the time and wanted to help, of course. She's a helper by nature. And this cousin looked at the screen and then looked at her young cousin, and her, her most reassuring voice said to him, the computer wants to know your name. And then she steps back, and she watched. And the little boy kind of leaned towards the monitor, the screen, and whispered, my name is Lucas. <laughs> well, some of us may approach the Trinity with that same sense of mystery. Now, most of the world's people believe in a creator God of some kind. I mean, this belief is certainly not unique to us as Christians. I mean, the majesty of the mountains and the trees and the skies, they kindle within folks and cultures a feeling of thankfulness and awe for such beauty, such, such grandeur, and that's good. But whom shall we say thanks to? I think instinctively we know the answer to that question. We give thanks to God, the creator and sustainer of our world, the, the God that was identified in Genesis 1 that Pastor Dan read for us just moments ago. But you know, such a God can be frightening to us. We know he has the power to create these magnificent worlds and universes, which also means he has the power to crush us like a bug if he so chooses. Will he? We become intimidated sometimes and apprehensive at the thought that Almighty God might be mad at me and decide at any moment to snap his fingers and vaporize me. It can be intimidating. But just about the time we feel there's no hope for us with this ominous God, he does something so extraordinary that it boggles our mind. God becomes one of us. Incredible. In a manger, in a stable, in Bethlehem of Judea 2,000 years ago, a baby was born. You see, when we couldn't reach up to God, God reached down to us in the life of Jesus of Nazareth, whom we call Christ, the Messiah, the Savior. You know, we never really 
knew for sure how God felt about us as human beings until we saw Jesus entering the world as a baby just like you and me. There's a, there's a wonderful story about Nelson Rockefeller. Hopefully many of you know him. He's a former three-time governor of New York State back in the 1960s and 1970s. He was also vice president of the United States from 1974 through 1977 under Gerald Ford. Now, although he was extremely wealthy, the Rockefellers, Rocky, as he liked to be called, he loved to tell folks that he went to public school in New York City up near Harlem. Instead of with a big smile on his face. And he told how he used to roller skate to school with his friends. <laughs> of course, what he rarely mentioned was that there was a limousine following behind with bodyguards. And when he and his buddies got tired, they got in the limo. <laughs> oh, my. How different was Jesus? How different was his experience? There was no limo, not even a guardian angel. He experienced the full range of what it meant to be human, to experience heartbreak and rejection and despair. And through it all, his love for humanity never failed. What Jesus did was taught us God is love. More than that, Jesus showed us in his suffering and death how far God's love will go. God so loved the world, what did he do? He gave his only son. Jesus assumed the weight of our sins on himself. And then he willingly died a horrible death on that cross to satisfy the demand of punishment for sin. God, the creator of the universe, is a loving person who has entered our universe to restore us to himself. Thirdly, God is the dynamic divine presence in our lives today. You see, Jesus promised he would not leave us alone or helpless when he ascended to heaven. He'd send a counselor, he said, a helper, a friend. And he did that in the person of the Holy Spirit. So there we've got it. God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Holy Trinity. One God, three persons. Now, having elaborated a bit on the uniqueness of the Trinity, I need to suggest one more thought. And that is this. There is a fourth person of the Trinity. <gasps> is Pastor Neil being heretical? <laughs> well, I better explain then, right? That fourth person is essential to God's plan for his world. There's a pastor named Ron uh, Del Bente. And he talks about his early days in his ministry when he was responsible for the Sunday school program of his church. And so each Sunday morning, uh, while the services were after the services and in between the services, he would stop in each of the classrooms to, to read the Bible lesson for the day and talk with the various children, various age groups. And sometimes he'd tell the children a story about the, from the Bible, and he'd only stay five or ten minutes in each class, and then he'd leave for the next classroom. And then the teacher would continue with the lesson. It seemed like the children really enjoyed the time he spent with them each week. In fact, they'd, they'd be on their lookout for him. 
Apparently one particular Sunday as he walked past one of the windows in the preschool room, a little boy cried out, Hey, get ready! Here comes Jesus! Well, at the time, Ron smiled. And he found the remark kind of amusing. But the more he thought about it, he said there was something unsettling about it as well. Now, at the time, Ron had a full beard, and, and because it was right near the church time, he was wearing a white robe. And he said, I probably did look like the pictures of Jesus the children had seen. As he thought about it, he felt more and more uncomfortable about being mistaken for Jesus. Not much later, he met with a colleague, and Ron shared the experience and his friend asked him, well, what was your routine with the children each Sunday? And Ron said, well, I, I give each of them a hug, and usually two or three of them would climb up in my lap while I'm telling the story to the group. Colleague immediately thought of Jesus blessing the little children on his lap. And the friend said, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if some of these kids look back one day and wonder if they really did meet Jesus in those special moments. From that moment on, Ron would ask himself, what am I doing each day to be more like Jesus? Well, have you figured out by now who that fourth person in the Trinity is that I'm speaking of? Again, I don't want to sound heretical, but that fourth person of the Trinity is you, you, my friends. You see, many folks will never experience Christ until they experience him in you. I'm guessing you've heard the expression, Christianity is more caught than taught. Well, it's true. As far as I'm concerned, it's true. Christianity more caught than taught. You see, my friends, you are the representative of what Christianity is all about. To folks around you, especially if they don't know Jesus, you're the embodiment of Jesus. Jesus becomes real to the person around you. In fact, for many folks, the only Bible they will ever read is you. You are the church on legs. Big job? Intimidating job? Yeah. But what fun! What marvelous fun that can be. You get to share God's love with people. Oh, what a blessing we have. I'm guessing that many of you have heard about the father and son team of Rick and Dick Hoyt. Rick was born in 1962. and He was paralyzed from the neck down and with severe cerebral palsy. Doctors tried to, to get Rick's parents, Dick and Judy Hoyt, to put their baby in an institution. And they gave him no hope for a normal life. But the Hoyts believed that their son deserved every possible chance for improvement. So they took him home and raised him as normally as they could. Well, the cerebral palsy part left Rick unable to speak. So Dick and Judy raised $5,000, which was a lot back then, to give to Tufts University for its work in, the communica in a communication device for severely impaired. And the engineers at Tufts were successful in creating the first ever interactive communicator. 
In fact, my middle daughter, Jessica, has used one and currently has one of these, not the identical one, but one like it, where she's able to interact with this device even though she has no voice of her own. Well, that was true of Rick as well. He was able to type out messages to his family. And you know what they discovered? That their son was an intelligent and witty young man. Now, when Rick was 16, one of his schoolmates was badly hurt in an accident. And a benefit race was set up to help the young man's family pay for his medical bills. Rick wanted badly to participate in the five-mile race, so he convinced his father to run in the race and push Rick along in his wheelchair. His dad, Dick, was, was an active kind of guy anyway, so he said, sure, I'll try it. Well, Dick, reporting afterwards, said the race left me feeling like I'd been run over by a truck. But... He also said it was exhilarating to see his son Rick so hyped. And Rick typed this message for his father a few days after the race. He typed, Dad, when I'm running, it feels like I'm not handicapped anymore. <laughs> well, that's all it took for Dad, for Dick Hoy, to resolve that he and Rick, his son, would enter more races in the future. Now, I'm guessing that many of you have seen since that time Dick Hoyt running hundreds of races while pushing his son Rick in his wheelchair. Think of all Rick Hoyt and the rest of the Hoyt family would have missed out if Rick's parents had believed the doctors when they said there was no hope for their child. Think of all the fun Rick would have missed if he didn't have a father willing to give of himself to help Rick surmount his human limitations. How does God normally operate in our world, my friends? Isn't it usually through ordinary means? Doesn't he normally operate through people? Ordinary people like Dick Hoyt. In fact, God uses parents to impact his children. He uses classmates in school to show compassion and care. He uses colleagues at work to demonstrate honesty and faithfulness. I can't explain how exactly the Holy Spirit does it, but God works in us and through us. And our unique gifts to touch the lives of people around us, touch them with God's love and care, just like Dick and his son Rick have for thousands of people around them. So, as we leave this day, think about who that fourth person of the Trinity is. You are. And may God bless you. In Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen.